Hey, welcome to the first preseason BGN radio instant reaction show. Be above board real quick. Be sure to subscribe to BGN radio on your podcast platform of choice. Leave a review, write a nice rating, really gas us up. But here to talk about the Eagles' first preseason game, a 24-16 home loss to the Steelers. I'm joined by Jess Taylor. Jess, what's up? How are you? Staying cool after being at the Eagles game in the heat. <laughs> yeah, I was at the Phillies game in 107, 107 degrees, I think was the, the heat check or whatever it's called. It I was, think it was. was. Yeah. God bless. God bless. You were out in the sun. I was at least after sundown. That's out in the sun. That's that's a real champ for the Phils today. Yeah, I thought I was going to go to the Eagles game, but I ended up not because of the podcast and everything that was out earlier at the Phillies game. I just didn't want to be drenched in, in sweat for eight hours. Um, but when I was there, I saw it did seem like it was a little shady and I might have gotten lucky rather than, you know, in the sweltering sun all for four hours at the Phillies. But it was a win for the Phillies at least. So that's all that matters. One for the Phillies. Not a win for the Eagles. No. On the scoreboard. But I still think for the first half and for the key contributors and starters on offense and defense, I think you look at this week as a win. I agree. I agree. So what are some of the things that I think we can both agree, most people can agree, starters on both sides, you know, two series on offense, pretty content with what you're seeing on both of those sides of the ball there. What are some things that really stuck out to you as positives, positive takeaways, things that you're excited to see more about, things that you're excited to see once the season really starts and things really get moving? I think everyone's attention is turned to Jalen Hurts. He's kind of a divisive figure in the Eagles world, whether that's with you know fans, media members, or really within the organization itself, the way they haven't necessarily committed him, committed to him as being the long-term starter, where they might sure. think the maybe the coaches are known, maybe the front office isn't, and maybe the owner is. There's a lot of things going on there. But I think the worst thing that could have happened was they come out and having three and out, and everyone's freaking out. Obviously, it's the preseason. Did a podcast last week on From the Bleachers about how we all went gaga, crazy, hype beast mode over the 2015 preseason with Chip and Sam Bradford. So you can't draw, you know, really hard, concrete conclusions. Sure. But having that kind of start after the sort of discord and the offseason with the Eagles being linked to Deshaun Watson, and you see things, you know, written every day where the offense is consistently inconsistent during mm-hmm. training camp. Right. Uh, but to see them get a couple first downs, what stood out for me for Hertz was I'm a Hertz fan. I feel like I'm the the you know the token one and in a sense at BGN. I'm the, like the one proponent where you feel like BLG is pretty out on them and other people are kind of eh, they don't know. But what he needs to improve most on, and it's kind of an obvious thing, is for any quarterback, is quick throws, making going through his progressions and hitting on those early progressions mm-hmm. and his accuracy over the field, over the middle of the field and on those intermediate routes. We know he throws a great deep ball. We know he's yep. electric scrambling around, making something out of nothing, making plays with his legs and, you know, working as a, r- a rusher as, as a quarterback. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be unreasonable for him to top eight, 900 rushing yards this season if he plays the entire season. But the difference between that and having actually having the Eagles go on a successful run this year is going to be him in pocket. And yeah. it was on that he had three throws that were in the middle of the field. Two to Zach Ertz. One was dropped. That would have been a first down and third down. Kind mm-hmm. of hit him right in the chest. Should yep. have been. And then had a nice little cross crossing route to death for Dallas Carter. That was a big 15, 20 yard chunk play. So it wasn't a huge sample size, very small sample size. Mm-hmm. But the things I needed to see Hertz excel in an actual game speed against a different defense, not the one he's going up against every play in full tackle, 
which they haven't done at all this offseason. It was a win for him in my book. I know they only got a field goal out of that drive, second drive. They didn't go three and out on the second drive, got a first down, but ended up punting. Two drives to Hurts, three for seven, but two drops. And I would say his – he throws a great deep ball, but a misfire on that deep ball to Quez Watkins. That should have been a 98-yard touchdown. But I'm, I'm, I'm good with his deep ball. I'm not as good with his intermediate throws over the middle of the field. So to see him excel there – I know he has the deep ball in his bag once the season starts. Yeah, I think that you're you're absolutely correct. And I think the accuracy was one of the biggest issues I had with him. And I that's something that I hope he can improve on. Um, something else for him is is looking comfortable in the pocket. And I thought I thought today where I totally agree it was a win for him was he looked like he wasn't itching to take off every single time he felt somebody's breath down his neck. And that's something that, you know, I hate to bring it up, but like, that's something with Carson Wentz that that was always one of those biggest things that we kept saying, like it, it was, it was the inability to get rid of the ball and the inability to just kind of hang out in the pocket and trust what you've got going on around you. Jalen, after, you know, four games last year, that was one of my biggest complaints is that he constantly was just to trying to take off and run. And that's something that if you were going to move on, you needed to get rid of a little bit. And I thought that he looked way more comfortable back there. Wasn't, you know, he was moving when he needed to, but wasn't didn't ha- look like he had that itch to just constantly take off. I completely agree. Still with the accuracy, though, that's something that's going to really need to improve. Um, I really hope we don't have another issue with drops again i don't know if my like mental sanity can handle that um i i really really thought that um there was one from tyree jackson that that hit him right in the hands and he dropped it and then he came back with three quick catches after that um so bounced back really well from that one so we hope that that's what you know can happen to these guys when they have a ball hit him in the hands and they drop it i just hope it doesn't end up being this contagious thing again but um same thing i mean you know you love what you're seeing out of someone like jordan mylotta um, to help kind of protect that on the one side. Um, you know, there were a couple missed blocks by um, by Nate Herbig today on on the left side, and Jordan Mailata had a hand on two people and, and really held it down out there. So I thought that was something really positive to see today. Um, what, is your, what is your take on who should start at left tackle? I think it's well, the idea that it was a competition, even before Dillard's injury, he didn't play his week to week with a, a knee sprain, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of takes him out of the running. But the idea that I was in the, a running or a competition to begin with, I think was kind of a joke. They kind of think, I think they felt kind of stuck because they traded up draft capital to take Dillard in the first round, whereas Melotta was this, you know, lottery ticket they grabbed in the seventh right. round coming off a Super Bowl, kind of small themselves a little bit. Hey, let's let's take a rugby player and turn him into an all-pro left tackle. Wouldn't that be funny if we did that? And actually, Jeff Stoutland is the best positional coach in the NFL. And he might actually do that with Jordan Mailata right here. So I think it's Mailata. But I think having Mailata in there and actually that whole offensive line unit, during the broadcast, they said it, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks hadn't played next to each other since 2019. Having that actual real offensive line after all of the struggles – that were there that had a million different offensive line combinations in 2020 to have the legit starting offensive line with Mailata, Ike, Kelsey, Brooks, and Lane. I think that's why you saw have you saw Jalen Hurts have success throwing the ball early and not get those happy feet because he was able to throw the ball clearly yeah. because it was great pass blocking right there. Has it really been since 2009? That's insane. 
I didn't realize it had been that long because yeah, they were actually lined up next to each other. With the way their injuries, they they were like hit and miss. Wow. Yeah, Brooks got hurt in that like the Giants week 16 or week 17 game in 2019, and he didn't play in that Seattle playoff game. Right. And then he tore his Achilles during off-season workouts last off-season. I feel like he tear like he like tears his Achilles and then like three weeks later he's on an Instagram live doing like you know, squat, like one leg jumping jacks. One, and yeah, it's just like, he's like, he's, like the, he's the most like uh, medical marvel ever, but he's back. And I still, even though he's had a couple big injuries the last couple of seasons, I'm still convinced that when he's playing, when he's on the field, he's an all pro caliber right guard. And Absolutely. again, the Eagles offensive line is getting a little older, especially when you're getting from center to right guard to right tackle. But again, right. they have, they have brand notoriety as much as you can for an offensive lineman because of how good they've been for so long and how much they've angered this unit when they're all playing and all together. So I think Jalen Hurts has some issues. He's going to need to work through. Nick Sirianni going to need to help him work through them. Mm-hmm. Brian Johnson, Shane Steichen, all of those guys. But having those three core guys, especially a developing my lotter, like everyone's saying, had an unbelievable camp, you know, really only played football for the first time in, in a real live contest last season. Looks like he really could be a Pro Bowl player. So we look hopefully getting some on the up and up at receiver Dallas Scott, or maybe Tyree Jackson sneaks on the roster and ends up being a role player, having a real rotation role this season. But I think that offensive line is going to be huge. As you said, with Hertz not having those happy feet, not trying to run automatically, not trying to be a run first quarterback, but actually go through his progressions and, you know, make those tight, hit those tight windows over the middle of the field. Like he did to Goddard at Hertz at different times on that first drive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, first of all, Tyree Jackson is an enormous human. Him standing in the huddle, like, he's an enormous human being. It's kind of outrageous to watch him like just stand out there next to other people on the Eagles roster because he's absolutely huge. So I think that they're going to try to figure out a way to keep him, whether it be on the practice squad or something. They're going to try to keep him here in some capacity. They're trying to transform this kid. And I think there's something that he could offer in a few years. I don't know if he's going to be ready now, maybe special teams, but nothing, you know, nothing that a guy like a veteran of Richard Rogers isn't going to, to give you and, and provide for you when you need someone else there. Um, I think that, you know, him, Jalen hurts able to sort of find the tight ends, which is something that was a complaint that he couldn't do as well. That's, you know, looking, looking like it's coming on, coming well on the other side of that. Um, you know, I, I I do like our young talent at wide receiver. Obviously, it's a disappointment that we can't see Devontae Smith out there right now. And that's, you know, y- you still saw some electricity from some of the young receivers tonight without Quez, Devontae Smith. Quez, man. He's legit. He's so fast. Like, there was another – I thought he was moving, and then there was just another gear, and he flew. He's fast. I'm, obvious, I'm obviously not comparing them as players, but that run – and the way that the Steelers defensive backs had such a clear angle on him. Remember, reminds me of like one of those classic Granny Moss on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys runs where like, okay, obviously this guy's going to tap on right here. And then before you know it, he's like literally 60, 70 yards downfield. And scoring. So right. he, he should have, he, he should have yeah. two 79 plus yard touchdowns. We talked about that throw that hurts was a little off on yeah. uh, when they were first and 10 from their own two yard line. If talk about how excited the links seems on that, you know, short pass from Flacco and that that huge run by Quez. I couldn't imagine, and you were there, what the reaction would have been if Hurts dialed up a bomb to Quez that went literally 98 yards 
you know, they go up 10 nothing automatically and that place is, you know, people yeah. are putting, going into the casino across the street and putting in bets yeah. from the win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's insane because, I mean, one of the biggest complaints I've personally had over the last two years and, and looking back, especially on, um, you know, some of the other, you know, Doug Peterson offenses going back to the Chiefs as well. One of the biggest complaints of all of them has been the wide receivers inability to get separation. And it, it, it it's the route combos. It's it's the play calls. It's all of the different things. It's not it's it, there were a lot of things that went into it. But Quez Watkins is a guy who is fast enough that it doesn't matter because he can create that separation. And if he can become a reliable target for Jalen Hurts and Jalen can, you know, be sure to hit him on some of those different routes, there could be a lot of really explosive, explosive plays on that side. Forget about Devontae Smith on the other side. And, you know, we'll see what, you know, Jalen Rager had a nice catch tonight. I still, he has the worst luck on planet earth returning punts. I don't know what it is because I don't, I don't want him back there. I, I, don't, I don't want him back there. I don't either. You yeah, can, I don't think hard. it should be. I don't think it should be Greg Ward, who is like the most boring punt returner of all time. Uh, I wouldn't want to use Smith unless it was like you know a fourth quarter game in December, like the way the Eagles would use you know Deshaun Jackson and American New Middlelands or or West or West Crook sparingly because like it's a huge high leverage situation. I right. never want Smith back there to no. begin with, given his frame, even though how electric he is, especially not now coming off of this injury that he's dealing with right now. But they need to right. find out. That's gonna be an entirely different discussion. But uh, new special teams coordinator in here, Michael Clay. I'm kind of interested to see how they go the returners. Whether it's a situation where they keep a guy like Jason Huntley because they like him as a kick returner, if the Quez ends up only being their second or third receiver. And do they put him back there as a kick returner and punt returner? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see who they put back there. Quez was back there returning kicks tonight. You know, again with with how quick he is, and I, I think that's the logic behind Rager as well with how quick he can be. I just, I mean, I haven't seen him outside of there was one return for a touchdown last year, right? And it was like yeah, the, first the green, the Green Bay goal. game. Yeah, so the first one since Darren Sproles and what was it, 2014? I mean, it was like a crazy amount of time in between the 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 last one before them. But yeah. he just, I, it just looks like I, I think you can make an argument for that being the right decision both times and the bounce just being bad. But I feel like in a 50-50 situation, he always makes the wrong decision, and it's it's hard because I want so badly for him to be successful. I really do. I want him to do well. I want him to shut everybody up who is, you know, because the Justin Jefferson thing, it sucks. It does. But I want him to be successful. And sometimes he makes it so hard. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? 
Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. And what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November? When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. The idea of expectations based on where a player was drafted and how that kind of confiscates and makes us think and view players in different ways is huge at two positions for me. Andre Diller, a first-round pick. They traded off for him. For a story my lot of this fun story, a seventh-rounder, like we talked about this guy who never played football before. Obviously, it's a lot easier to see this guy who's just kind of starting to play football. You have low expectations for succeeding sure. in the roof for him, whereas Diller comes in and doesn't really play as a rookie, misses an entire second season. Oh, Did there you we miss go. me on that? Yeah, yeah sorry. a little bit. <laughs> sorry, I, was like, I, I like didn't want to start moving my arms and screaming in case it was still left there and like Rachel was going to have to do like the, the F-bomb. Uh, alert. But real quick, just to finish up, like we think Andre Dillard stinks because we expected him to be a superstar immediately, whereas Malad is a pleasant surprise. And I think the yeah. same thing can be said about Rager and Quez. Like, you know, Quez is a pleasant surprise because he was a sixth round pick. And it feels like, you know, yeah. if Quez Watkins was the first round pick and Jalen Rager play was the sixth round pick, you would expect their play to be like this over the last, you know, training camp and towards the end of last season. Quest sure. love. I like that. Quest love. That should love be like. That. Uh, that's that's a uh, T-shirt outside the stadium waiting to happen. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I totally agree with you. It's and 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 the thing with Andre Dillard is is I think that that was one that obviously the Texans were were pretty hell bent on getting him, and they you know if, if the Eagles really wanted him, they made the right decision to trade up and get him because he wouldn't have been there when when they were picking. Fine, fine. But and I think we all saw that there were some holes there that there were things that needed to be worked on. And I think that we knew that we were going to be in an interesting kind of spot with that. But I still think that knowing there were things that needed to be worked on, he has still underwhelmed a yeah. lot. And I, th- and I think the injury keeping him out for an entire year, you know, that really hurt his progression as well. And, and that's really unfortunate. And then, but then you go to the other side with, I, I mean, you, you could only write the 2020 draft knowing how the Philadelphia Eagles operate. You can only write the way that unfolded with that 21st pick, knowing how Howie Roseman and the Eagles have always operated. And just the fact of, you know, how it happened. Now, do I think that Justin Jefferson would have had the season here last year with that abysmal football team that he had in Minnesota? Absolutely not. I think we we would be screaming and shouting in the same way. But it's just... I, and I think that I don't I don't know what it is. I just I think that unfortunately, Jalen has also said some things on social media, done some things that make him less likable to a a portion of the fan base, which I think has also played negatively to him as well. Sure. Probably I needs to get whatever. It's a twenty-two-year-old kid. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you gotta you gotta understand it. But some people just just don't like that. Yeah, you should probably stop reading the uh, Markel Fultz Philadelphia social media handbook. I would advise him to do that. It looked like he got off social media, which I think like 
If I was a professional athlete, I wouldn't want to be on it. And I know sometimes you kind of have to be for your brand and stuff like that. But uh, it seems like the less you're on there in that, which is kind of unfair because they are still normal people who want to look at Twitter and F around and stuff like that. But uh, it comes with the territory of being... It's unfortunate. And in a city like this, I, I, I like, I hate to use that sometimes. Like people just, I, people just you don't mean it negatively. It's just like read the room kind of is more so yeah. than like, or t- these people are terrible. But no, just like, you know, talk to literally anyone else on the team when you get here and like get the vibe of like how to act on yeah. social media. And not saying like he's done anything specifically that's very wrong. No, but just kind of read for the himself, again, read the room. Honestly. Get the you get the it's 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 it sucks for him where he should probably whether it's the team or the PR staff or the agent whatever to kind of kind of nudge him the right way with that. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah I I, I do I it's just it's a it's a group of people that are just really passionate and emotional <laughs> about what's going on like. I, I cried walking into the link today. Why? Why yeah. did I do that? Because I was so emotional because I hadn't been there since January of 2020 when they got their butts handed to them by the Seattle Seahawks. I Like, I, they were abysmal. Last time I was there. Like, they, they were horrible last year. They took such an emotional toll on my life last year. They took years off my life. And I was still so happy I cried walking in there today. I don't know what it is, but that's just what the like that's what sports are in Philadelphia in a nutshell. And you know, I just I hate to say like oh, it's not for everyone to play here because I don't agree with that and I think that that's yeah. the cop out, but you know, self-fulfilling I, prophecy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we talked a lot about the offense. I do want to talk about the defense because they are actually what worry me more. Really? You think just yeah. the depth aspect more so than the starters? Yeah. Okay. Because the Eagles have been an injured team, like really, really injured over the last couple years. And I don't know what switch we have to flip that makes that stop. But once you, yeah, please do it. Um, Once you get away from, so I think the line depth is there. The line depth has been there. That's not been a concern for the last four or five years. My whole, my whole life. I feel like. Yes. Let's yeah, let's put it that way. The line depth yeah. has never been a concern for the defensive line. Once yeah. you get behind there, um Rodney McLeod coming off another torn ACL. Kayvon Wallace is currently hurt. Anthony Harris was a really good underrated signing for them. But in addition to that, once you get outside of a Darius Slay and a Steven Nelson. We're back to the Michael Jaquette ex- experiment, which I don't enjoy. No. It's an unpleasant time. I think you got to hope that Zach McPherson has this like 2013 Brandon Boykin type rookie or like second year role where he yeah. actually shines a little bit, you know, in his first year or two of his career. And actually, whether he's a long time piece or not, just adds like, you know, Nelson's banged up. They're both older cornerbacks in Slay sure. and Nelson. He's going to get time on the field regardless of whether they're hurt or not. And I'd much rather roll with the the unknown, so to speak, or the the promise of McPherson than see Jaquette on the field. I feel like that that Dallas game last year and the Cardinals game, they just – I mean, there's a two of the, maybe the two best receiving cores in the league, so I get it. But at yeah. the same time, they were just absolutely destroyed on every level in the second day. 
Yeah, I guys absolutely. like that out there. And and you can see the flashes there. You see the glimpses of what McPherson can do. He's yeah. all he was always in the frame when when something was happening on defense. Once he was on the field, but then there's going to be the small little mistakes like the pass interference in the end zone. There's you're going to you have to give and take with those just being a rookie. It's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, and him just being young when they do match up with the Dallas receiving cores and when they match up with some of these other teams that they're playing this year. I mean, think about it. They play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at one point. They got like, maybe, maybe they're the best receiving core. You know what I mean? D- yeah. Dallas is right there. They play the Chargers and, at one point. Yeah. They've got good receivers. I Kansas mean, Kansas City. They've got some pretty good talent there too. You know, yeah. like they play a lot of teams this year that have really, really good receiving cores, and basically every other team has a good receiving core besides here. It feels like you could almost say. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> we could say that. And you know, and exactly what you said. They're older corners, especially if they're like you know, they get burnt deep downfield or something. You're gonna need to bring in someone else to give them a break. They're gonna be some rotational guys in there. And you know, as soon as you put the rookie out there, you know, it sucks, but that's you know the best way to learn, I guess. Throw them into the deep end and hope they can swim. But you know, it it, it the the depth everywhere but the line really, really concerns me. And I and you know, it's really hard to Get depth when you have salary cap issues, which brings us back to public enemy number one. Like, yeah. you know, it all goes back to it, and it's it just it just sucks because it's gonna there, it's, there's gonna be a time where we're gonna be sitting there and we're like, what is this yet again? Would it have been such a crime to draft Asante Samuel Jr.? I think Landon Dickerson's gonna be awesome. But I wanted I him so, so. badly. My my ideal draft was the first round Smith, Asante Jr., and Milton Williams. So like as much as like a Howie hater I am, I wrote in like a mailbag back in March or April that if he drafted those three people as his first three picks, I would have written like and issued a huge public apology. And it came so close to happening. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know if I could ever ever get to that point. I just I would I would, I would just been so happy that he selected those guys that I would have just done it like you know eight crow and been happy to have the complaint about. It. Like I was really anti Nick Falls when he took back over in 2017, and I had like a bunch of negative tweets like, oh, they should literally sign anyone, go sign Kaepernick, go bring Tony Romo out of the booth, any of these things. And then I didn't have as much as like I had a decent following on Twitter, but it's not the same way right. now. We're writing for VGN and stuff. Right. And like and like February or March, someone was like, Oh, how about this tweet, dude? Like sucks Nick Foles when super. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you think I'm mad that the tweets are wrong and then I was wrong about Nick Foles? Yeah. It was the greatest thing of all time. They're doing so stuff like that. So, yeah. So if like Jalen Hurts, that pick I thought was out. I mean, every person that's an Eagles fan was blindsided like by a Mack truck with the Hertz pick, but he ends up being, you know, Pro Bowl quarterback. Howie, you're the goat again, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm never go- at this point. I don't think I can change my stance on it just because of just just some of the things that have have gone around about just just who he is as a person. Like, forget about who he is as a GM, just who he is as a person. I just, eh, I can't. And I did. I was like, I, once he drafted Devontae Smith, but here, here's the thing. They trade up, right? And I'm still sitting there with my head in my hands because I am so prepared for him to ruin that anyway. Like, that's yeah. a problem. So I'm sitting there like this. And then I said, okay, I won't say a bad word about him for the next 24 hours. And then we get to the second round. And I'm like, 
what are you doing? And I'm like, well, oh, we're back. Everything is back yeah. to normal. The world is right again. I just, I hope that, Lan- I mean, I think he could be awesome. If yeah. injury concerns are real, I still would have. I mean, he's, he's a classic Eagle already with that. You're right. He fits right in. It's great. Yeah. I really, I do think I would, I would have preferred Asante Samuel there. Same. It is what it is. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's another second round pick who they do have a lot of depth on the offensive line as well. And they have a lot of depth with guys that they do need to keep around given injury concerns and injury history. So he's one who I could see maybe they put on the pup. Maybe they put on the IR just to not use that roster spot and just let him have the year. But again, like, would it have been such a crime to draft somebody in the second round that could immediately make an impact or help you? Not great to redshirt a guard of all positions. Right. Offensive tackle, defensive end, maybe quarterback. I don't, yeah. I don't really know about a second round guard. Right. Like, why, why, why do we do this? I mean, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, there's another aspect of the defense that I would love to to get your thoughts on. So um, the struggle with admitting defeat on first round picks we talked about already with the left tackle situation, right? Yeah. So they are listed as co-starters, Andre Dillard and Jordan. So, yeah. So are Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. And it's the same thing. A first round pick, like he hasn't been bad. It's just first round pick. You expect more than sort of what he's given you since his rookie year. Exactly. And, and Josh if Josh Webb was a first-round pick, we would be lower on Josh Webb. And if Derek Barnett was a fourth-round pick, we'd be higher on Derek Barnett. Yeah, I mean, like, everyone, everyone's like, who do we going to – just like the Davion Taylor last year wasting picks. Yeah, the Davion Taylor played 32 defensive snaps as a rookie, as a linebacker on a day-two pick. A day-two pick, a linebacker, which you don't really want to give those guys second contracts. So you want to give him as much run as possible on that rookie deal. Basically blew a year of that contract with 32 defensive snaps. And and maybe that's a thing where Jonathan Gannon might use him more. Maybe the pick looks a little bit better this this year, but the pick wasn't made in mind with with Jonathan Gannon in mind. Harry Roseman might not have even met him before at that point in time. Whereas, again, that kind of just speaks to miscommunication between the coaching staff and the front office that has existed, uh, you know, since – well, a long time since Andy Reid was here, really, since Howie's been here overall. I wanted to say Doug, but then I was like, well, we forgot about how crazy Howie and Chip were. And then I was like, oh, well, actually, it goes back to Andy. Right. And not to mention, I mean, Davion Taylor's hurt right now. He's also week to week. I thought he was going to get – he seemed like he was going to have a good – he was having a good camp. I thought the, this preseason would have been perfect, whereas he's not a starter, but you would ideally like him to be a starter by the end of the year. He could have played at least in this game a quarter yeah. or maybe two quarters or close to three quarters. Yeah, and he's unfortunately hurt, and they have, uh, you know, more guys that could fill that role of just – being speedy and running to the ball. I, I mean, like the, there's yeah. somebody that can easily edge him out. And it's, it's again, it, it goes it's exactly what you said. It goes right back to wasting, you know, picks on players that are, can't be helpful to you and can't be helpful to you right away. I mean, in, and you know, so, so who do you think gets, does end up getting the start then Josh sweat or Derek Barnett? I think they give it like I think they want Barnett to take it the way that like 
obviously everyone likes him a lot more. And I don't mean just fans. I think clearly within the organization and the coaching staff and stuff, but at the organization as a whole on like a macro level, wants Taylor to win that job because of what they invested in him. I think it's similar with Derek Barnett. Whereas, again, I don't know Jonathan Gannon like that. I know for a fact that Jim Schwartz absolutely, absolutely loved Derek Barnett. If he was still here, it would have been clear. So I don't really know yet. But the fact that he gets that nod right away, I think, is telling that he will be the official starter this year. Over the end of the year, I think their snap counts, the way the Eagles have always rotated their edge rushers, and because of the depth they have there, they want to keep these guys fresh all year round. And Barnett and Sweat have missed games with injuries in the past. I think they're going to get pretty close to snap count in either direction, regardless of who's the one who actually has you know more starts on their you know pro football reference page or whatever. Yeah, I think they do. I, I agree. I think they've got enough guys there to be able to continue to rotate and keep guys fresh yeah. as long as they're able to get guys on and off the field, um, which and again, that's never really that's never been the concern. The concern yeah. has been how much they rely on the front four and the there's it's just lacking on the back end. And that's yeah. unfortunately still a concern. Um, you know, one of the biggest issues last year was the inability to create takeaways and if you're not able to you know get a sack on the quarterback and at all there that's 50 percent of what you might be able to get from a takeaway right there so i mean uh, you're hopeful that they can generate some turnovers there um unfortunately i think one of the biggest things we've seen coming out of camp is that eagle either the you know eagles offense is not great or the defense is is really good, or the Eagles' defense is really bad, and the offense, or the offense is really good. They're yeah. so inconsistent coming out right now, and I think one of the things that was one of the biggest issues last year was consistency in any capacity. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting a huge success of a year. I think they've got a lot of young players, and they're trying to figure it out. A new coaching staff. Um, but within the, in the division, it's I don't think anything's out of out of reach. Yeah, it's the NFC East. Anything can happen. Anything, anything can happen. So in the next week, last question. Yeah, what I would say, like to finish up, what do you want to see in the preseason, week two, next Thursday night, at home again against the Patriots? What are you know one or two things that you hope to see as we rock wrap up the show right now? I hope to see a complete drive with a touchdown from from Jalen Hurts in the offense. Number one, I, I don't care what, what else happens the entire game. I don't, don't care, care if Bain comes out onto the field. I need that to happen. Yeah, I just – I want – a complete drive, a well-called drive, a well-executed drive. I understand that part of what they've got going for them going into the season is sort of this element of surprise with their offense that no one knows what's coming. I'm totally on board with some vanilla play calls. It's preseason. I get that. But I would like to see this this team, these starters, put together one complete drive. And I don't mean a complete drive of, like a one yard, eighty yard, one play, eighty yard pass drive. Not yeah, that. I, I I'll want, take that. I'll take the yeah. fun because I think I'm going to go next Thursday. So I'll take the fun of them actually hitting that Quez Watkins deep ball. But I definitely know because you, you want to see him making a variety of different throws and plays. That's not just okay. We know he can throw the deep ball. We know he yep. can do that well. Let's or see him actually handle a third and six. Hurt handle a third and seven. Handle a third. And eight. Yeah, I mean, get a couple first downs on a drive instead of one on one drive and one on the next drive. And while I yeah. understand, I'll, I'll let me throw a throw a Giselle in there. He can't throw and catch the ball. He's not. He can't do both. <laughs> Everyone else needs to do their job as well. But I would like yeah. to see one cohesive unit 
drive down the field and score. I would love to see that. I would also like to see um, on the defensive end, I would like to see the spacing cohesion a little bit better from okay. the from from the guys that the younger guys that are obviously not the starters. I yeah. need to see a little bit more discipline from some of those players. There were a lot of penalties. There were a lot of people out of position. There were a couple. There was one really true like busted coverage, and that was on that wide open touchdown. But there were a couple others where guys were just out of place, looking confused. I need to see a little bit more structure going on from the younger guys that are going to fill those roster holes and then are going to be on the practice squad that who knows when they might need to be plucked from. I like it. Definitely we need a, we need a great Hurts performance. Not mm-hmm. great, just having like a great moment to hang your hat on. I'm not saying he needs to you know throw 300 yep. yards or something like that. Just like something to hang your hat on and say, hey, that was the second preseason game. We have one left. We know we've liked, he looked okay. He looked pretty good. And, in week one, and then you had something that's really sustainable and we can build off of in week two. Also, like to see a Milton Williams sack. It was collapsed yeah. in the pocket a couple of times, very high on him going to the draft. So definitely things to look forward to. And with the season where the expectations aren't Super Bowl heavy, it's fun sure. to have a little fun with the uh, kind of the smaller moments of football this season as we kind of find smaller things to enjoy or root for beyond. Obviously, we are all going to be rooting for, you know, wins like crazy, but there's just other elements you can pick up when they're it's not Super Bowl or bust. I hope to um, have fun again and have the Eagles bring me a little bit. The of offense joy. and defense, their style seems fun. I say yeah. the defensive line's going to have to quarterback and Hurts is a fun quarterback. doesn't mean he's actually going to be a great quarterback, but a running quarterback kind of has an inherent flair and fun to it that you don't see from, you know, a statue quarterback. I don't mean Carson Wentz in that way because he was able to do some of those things right. before he suffered a few injuries, but. And it's a guy that has has the swag that that Jalen Hurts yeah, does. I mean, brings that I mean, at, energy. Got the got the uh, Friday Night Lights walking in shirt off yes. for Hurts. I was gonna wear the. I did get the one that was on Devonte Smith's website. Oh, that, I have that too. I, I got it. Too. I was gonna yeah. wear it tonight. There was too much material to it. Oh, it's like that heathery material where yeah. if I wore it, it you it'd be clear that you were like soaked when it's hundred yeah. degrees drenched. So it wasn't going to do that, but that, that will come out at some point. Yeah. That wraps it up for us. Jess, where can we follow you on social media? You can follow me on my new Twitter handle, which I have to read because I don't. That's why I want to make sure I didn't want to mess up the Twitter handle. I wouldn't have remembered it. I would have given my old one. Um, I've had that one for 10 years. It's really different. Um, So at Jesse underscore Taylor 21, Jesse has no E on it, just J-E-S-S-I, where you can follow me on Twitter. Um, Continuing on Bleeding Green Nation with Babes on Broad as well. We'll get back to starting that as the season starts. And yeah, that's where you can find me and all of my good stuff with Eagles and other Philly sports content. Yeah, and be sure to follow and subscribe to our YouTube page. We're broadcasting and streaming live on there. should be doing that all season long. My podcast from the Bleacher is always streaming live on YouTube before it actually goes up in your podcast feed. So if you like the show, you like any of our shows, be sure to subscribe on there. We'll be doing some fun content and YouTube-specific content as the season moves forward. And again, we love BGN Radio. Jess and I each have shows on the network. We'll be having an instant reaction show this season with we're not sure who's actually on it right now, but we will have great content from all of our great contributors across the network. So again, subscribe, follow, leave a good review, thumbs up on YouTube, leave a positive comment. We don't like negative comments. No. But again, thank you. Twenty was it twenty six sixteen loss? Something like that. Twenty six sixteen. Twenty six twenty four sixteen. 
24-16. I'll take it. 24-16. Yep. Feels like a win for the for the first team. For yeah. The first team. For the starters, it was a win. That's for Absolutely. sure. All right. That's it for me. Keep leading green.